Today we'll be discussing the television show The Bear, and we'll be discussing food poisoning. This is Doctor versus Comedian. Dr. Asif Doja, and this is the Doctor of Laughs. Not a real doctor. Ali Hassan. Every episode, I pick a topic for Ali from comedy and entertainment, and I question him about it. Then Ali picks a topic from medicine and health and grills me on that topic. Today, we'll be discussing the hit TV show, The Bear, which recently returned for its second season. Then, since The Bear takes place in a restaurant, in our second half, we'll be discussing food poisoning. And... They didn't actually have any food poisoning shenanigans on the bear so far, but we'll see what season oh, two. Oh, is that a spoiler, Asif? Were you in the be. writing room? Yeah. No, I wasn't. But the second season just premiered the other day, so we haven't seen any episodes. We didn't get any of the uh, advanced copies, advanced copies, advanced screeners. But who knows? One day. So we'll get to that in a second, Ali. I did want to talk to you about one thing. A listener wrote in to surprisingly correct me on mispronouncing something. Can you believe it? Uh, I think we all believe it because yeah, it I happens it for sure. pretty regularly. So we talked on a, the previous episodes about Tina Turner and blood pressure. We talked about hypertension. And I talked about how you measure blood pressure with a stethoscope and a blood pressure cuff. And I talked about listening for certain sounds. And I called them Kortikoff sounds. Thank God. I thought it was a mispron- I thought we mispronounced something with respect to Tina Turner. Is no, it how- Tina Turner? Is it Ike? Not Ike? What did we do? Okay, so what did you do? This is all you. Good. Yeah, exactly. You had nothing to do with it for Perfect. once. Mm-hmm. I kept saying Kortikoff. And I've called them Kortikoff sounds since I was in medical school. And I actually tried to remember the correct pronunciation and practiced about five times before our episode. And guess what? Still got it Screwed wrong. It up. Yep. They are called Karotkoff sounds, mm, not Kortikoff. I what really? That. If you, you knew just that? asked, no, I didn't know that. That'd be crazy if I knew yeah. that. Okay. Well, anyway, so apologies, thanks to our listener who sent us that comment in a polite way. They corrected me. I appreciate that. So anyway, a correction. We'll see in the next section how many other things I mispronounce. Right, Ali? Is there a bingo for this? <laughs> Let's start it. Okay, Ali, we wanted to talk about The Bear. You and I, that is, wanted to talk about The Bear because it was a huge hit last year. It was one of the most streamed shows on television last summer. And you told me about it, and you're like, you've watched The Bear, right? This was about a month ago you said that. I'm like, you know, I never got around to it. And you you had like a real myocardial infarction, as we said. I had a, I had a reaction. I had a reaction. Oh, yeah. a very just, negative reaction. Of all the crapola you put into your eyeballs, this should be top of list, man. Yeah. And it's not crapola. So, yeah, so it, it, it's a great show, and I uh, came around. I just finished it over the past couple of weeks. So I, I, now I have this stress. I have such a stress about catching up on streaming shows. I'm like, okay, I'll finish it before the next season starts. And so I had to finish it. I finished it a couple of weeks ago. Anyway, I'll tell you what I thought about it at the end, but maybe let's talk about a bit of background. So The Bear is a comedy drama. Do you think it's more comedy or drama or a bit just? Oh, I think it's way more drama. I think the comedy is like, 
obscured by the drama in such a huge way. I mean, it has lighthearted moments, as you mm-hmm. would expect, but it's very, very dramatic for sure. It's, I don't understand how networks work in the US. It's an FX show. So the network FX, except it streams on Hulu. So I don't really understand because if you look at FX, is like it's the most watched and streamed comedy that FX has ever made. FX also makes Atlanta and a bunch of other big shows. Yeah. So, but it's actually on Hulu. I, I thank God that it's not only on Hulu. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been able to watch it. So, thank you, FX, yeah. Hulu. It's on uh, Disney Plus outside of America. So, that's good. Created by this guy, Christopher Storer. Were you familiar with Christopher Storer? I was. I actually saw the name when I was watching the show, and I was like, that's this guy's name. Name looks familiar. The reason his name looks familiar is because I have watched the movie Eighth Grade, mm-hmm. which he produced, and then um, I have watched Rami. He directed a few episodes. And there's a couple of other things. It's just his name has been around. So then mm-hmm. I messaged our friend Dave Merhej. Been on the show before, former guest. He's been on the show. show, yeah, talking about mm-hmm. his role on Rami. So I was like, hey, do you know Christopher Storer? And he was just like, yeah, of course, man. I was like, all right, take it easy. You don't have to be like that. But of course he would because he directed a few episodes. And I think Dave is in the bulk of the episodes on this show. He's in most, if not all, Rami episodes, especially mm-hmm. more recently. Yeah, so interesting guy. He also directed Hasan Minhaj's Homecoming King, right. which uh, I don't know if we talked about this on this, but I love that one. I think Ali and I have talked about it. It's it's the perfect like kind of one man show comedy special that I've seen. It's it's really well done. Yeah, it's not quite as good as Mike Birbiglia's My Girlfriend's Boyfriend, but it is up there, top three. Uh, Homecoming King is fantastic. Yeah, though I, that's on my list, by the way. Mike, Unbelievable. Mike Birbiglia. Did I pronounce that correctly? Probably His not. His joke is that he always would meet Italian people who would go, you know, in Italy, it's pronounced Birbiglia. And he'd be like, well, in America, you're annoying. So that's his response to that. So you nailed it with Berbiglia. Perfect. So the bear, it takes place at a sandwich shop that's copied on a real life sandwich shop in Chicago called Mr. Beef in the River North area. And I guess we'll talk a bit about Mr. Beef in a second. So the concept of the show is a guy returns. He is a chef. He's worked and worked his way up in the top restaurants in the world. Specifically, they name check Noma, and I believe they name check French Laundry as well. I'm pretty sure those are the two main ones they talk about. Noma, of course, in Copenhagen. French Laundry in the San Francisco, Napa Valley area, I should say. So they name check that, but for various reasons, which are revealed in the opening episode, his brother has recently committed suicide. His brother was the owner and the person who ran this restaurant. So he comes back to take it over because it was left to him and not to some of the other characters who perhaps should have inherited it. And so they thought. They thought. And so he wants to instill this idea of fine dining, the tempo of fine dining, the protocols of fine dining into this. But Very, none of the yeah. eating of fine dining. Exactly. At, at least at the beginning. Yeah. At least at the beginning. So that's basically the premise, right, of the show. And cast is amazing. Jeremy Allen White, who was in Shameless. I never watched Shameless, but I believe. I didn't either. He did 11 seasons on Shameless, and I wow. never saw or heard of this guy. Yeah. And uh, so he's in it. Ebon Moss Backrack is in it. He plays Richie. We'll talk about maybe about Richie in a second. He's the uh, best friend of the brother who died and kind of manages the restaurant. Ebon's been in a lot of stuff lately. He was in Andor, the the Star Wars TV show, which got critical acclaim, and lots of other people in it. Ayo Adibiri plays Sidney Adamu, 
who is a chef who wants to get into the fine dining world, has done has some experience and sees this opportunity to become the sous chef under the main character played by Jeremy Allen White, whose name is Carmi, to kind of move up in the world. And then, then there's everybody else who works in the restaurant, the regular sort of people. There's a couple, there's a Canadian connection. Do you know this guy, Maddie Matheson? Do you know him? Man, what kind of question is that? Of course, dude. I never heard of him before. He you plays, never heard of Maddie Matheson. No, he plays Fack, who is a childhood friend of Carmi and Michael, who passed away. That's so funny that your introduction to Maddie would be through television. This guy has, from what I understand, like zero acting training. Mm-hmm. Where would he get acting training? He was like working in restaurants since he was a teenager. But he's a big deal around Toronto. Like very, yeah. very well known. Set up a lot of. I would say like a pioneer of a certain type of, 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 of scene here in Toronto. So it's it's funny that you would see him there and that's your introduction to Maddie. Whereas- yeah, he's 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 known as a chef. I found that out afterwards. He's a consultant on the show. So Toronto guy. He's hosted a few food shows, which probably how he was signed to an agency and then got in to do this. He's quite funny in the show. I think he's great. I, I Honestly, I think he's a great actor. But yeah. he's done a lot of pop-ups. He's done this place called Prime Seafood, which I haven't been to Toronto, but it's supposed to be amazing. And lots of kind of like – it's. The, he does the fusion between fine dining and kind of street food. That's kind of where he's at in Toronto with a lot of these pop-ups he's done, which kind of makes him perfect for the show. More famous people in it. Oliver Platt plays Jimmy Cicero, who's one of the uncles of the main characters, who's an investor in the restaurant. John Bernthal, who people might know from a, mil- a million things, The Walking Dead, The Punisher. He plays the, the brother who's deceased, Michael. And we got Joe McHale, who is, I think he's like a hidden kind of cameo in it. He plays an old executive chef in New York City who is the typical kind of prototype of the chef in these fine dining places. You know, brutal, abusive, dismissive, condescending. And so great cast, amazing cast, great acting. I don't know, there's some interesting things about the show. So I guess overall, what did you think about the show? And specifically, I want to know, Ali, this is a very fast-paced show there's some interviews which we'll link to with some of the writers and creators of the show and talk about anxiety and the show is all about just it embodies anxiety because to me as an outsider working in a restaurant like this the pressure you gotta get the order is out you gotta keep moving the hours they start at like they start early in the morning to get ready for the lunch rush then they i like, is this how it works? Because I've never worked in a restaurant, eaten in many restaurants. So I want to ask Ali, you know, what did you think about this? Was it true to life? You've worked in several restaurants in the past. Well, yeah, I was surprised that other people liked it. I really, really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the depiction of that cramped kitchen space and everybody very protective, hyper protective, hyper possessive of their space and all that kind of stuff. I loved it. I was surprised other people liked it. But then, of course, as you say, like the pace, the rhythm, the acting, the story, it's all pretty fantastic. But normally, restaurant movies don't resonate. The restaurant shows don't resonate the same way. You know, I mean, we've talked about Party Down. Right. You know, that's a sitcom, so you can take a lot of liberties. This is something where, I don't know, I feel like they were like, we want to get it exactly right. So they even talk about that, what you might think is the boring minutiae of a restaurant, the finances and hygiene and these things. But that's like, that's the stuff that makes you or breaks you. You get closed down over hygiene. You don't last, uh, you know, if the finances aren't right. So 
I don't know. I was so surprised how many people liked it in the end. I thought they might like the acting, but just sort of be like, well, this is not a compelling story. But I loved it top to bottom. I thought it was so great. And I really like these interesting choices as well. You know, you're, you only learn about the characters later. You know, like the character development is on the back end. Mm-hmm, right. They started the action. You get yeah. in and you're right into the mayhem of it. And, mm-hmm. and according to Christopher Story, that is by design. They wanted to do it. But I, I love that technique. I also loved what this guy, I don't know if it's Eben or Ebon who plays Richie. You know, in improv, there's this idea that you don't want to come in talking about the house is on fire. The house is on fire. Mm-hmm. That's like the worst improviser because your ensemble, the people around you don't know where to go after that. You end with the house on fire, mm-hmm. right? You start with, do you smell something? And then mm-hmm. it builds mm-hmm. to the house. Mm-hmm. But Ebon comes in like the house is on fire. He comes yeah. in guns a-blazing immediately. And it's like, how are you going to maintain this? And in a way he doesn't because he's despicable and you start to not like him as well, but he's still such a compelling character. And Sydney as well, you know, all, yeah, he's really surrounded by Carmi, the character Carmi is really surrounded by an amazing cast. Like you want to mm-hmm. say all-star, but they're not really well known. So, but it's all-star as far as the caliber of their acting is so great. It's crazy. Yeah, and Richie is a dislikable character to me. And I mean, you do kind of realize that the reasons for this at the end, not as much as, oh, you know, now he's well-rounded by the end, but you kind of just realize his reasons. And as you said, Sydney is also a very interesting character of this type A personality. Sydney's character may be based a bit on Christopher Storer's sister, who's Courtney Storer, who uh, is a chef, mainly in LA. Currently, she runs a place called John and Vinny. She's the head chef there. And so she was a very clipboard-heavy, protocol-driven person, which sounds like she got lots of eye rolls. There's an interesting interview with her in People Magazine, which we'll link to. She says she talks about this yes chef, yes chef, because they always say this in the in the show when someone's talking to another chef, even if it's not the head chef. They'll be like, you know, can you do this? Yes, chef. That's the response. And she's saying it's because it's gender neutral. It's non-binary. That's why we would use it. But do people say that a lot in real restaurants? Yeah, they do. I didn't ever make the connection with the gender neutral part of it. Mm -hmm. I assumed that it had come from the French system of giving respect to the to the chef. I'm not familiar with this idea of saying yes, chef to everyone because the French system is very much meritocracy, bay hierarchy, hierarchical, not meritocracy. And so, yeah, the, the, the line chef and the sous chef and the executive chef are treated differently because of hierarchy. So I don't know. I think that I, 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 my thought was that was reserved for higher up, but I think as I've been out of the restaurant industry for long enough that these type of things have become more important in my absence, unrelated. What what about, uh, yeah, unrelated to you leaving the restaurant industry, but what about this idea, everybody has their stations and then there's this, I know in a f- super fancy restaurants, right? Like the, the Michelin star place. I know there's a saucier and then there's the pastry chef. And the, I, I, I understand that, but we're, this is a, you know, like a, a Italian beef sandwich joint. Is there still these these stations and these roles as, as a smaller place like you've worked at? Yeah, I think it's it's critical that everybody has roles and they they do what's asked of them. Like the saucier, for example, in a slightly bigger restaurant, there's one maybe one person who comes in in the morning and they just chop carrots, celery, onions, and right. they make stock 
or they just do some kind of peeling of potatoes and put those in a pot to boil, this kind of stuff. But if that person does not come in and do what looks like pretty banal activity, you screw everybody over really badly. It is hard to make up for the time that that person has to put in. And sometimes those people leave by 11 a.m. They're already on oh, their really? way out to a, a different job. Yeah, that is their job. They're doing prep. Well, whatever your role is, you really have to stick with it to help the efficiency of a restaurant chug along. I mm -hmm. think it's, yeah, that's that's pretty important that you stick to your role, stick to where you are. Because it's just, there's not that much room for error, to be honest. Like, sometimes things go wrong and you surprise yourself. Like, oh yeah, I guess we could just rinse those kebabs that we dropped on the floor and put them in some sauce and create a new dish out of thin air. So that is by necessity. Sometimes got to do stuff like that, but really... What? You do not want to be doing stuff like that. Okay, let's hope that that's a apocryphal true, story. True story. True story. Hundred percent true story. That happened. Hey, we washed them off. Oh my god! That's like oh yeah, we blew on them. Uh, there you go. It's clean. We rinsed them properly. Oh god! Uh, I can't okay. have anybody finding any grit or dirt or taste. Yeah. Of or throw it out. Leach that used. Oh no, god. but then you have one less dish yeah. at the wedding, and that's a disaster. Okay. Any. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Welcome to the restaurant world, buddy. Exactly. I, I do find it anxiety provoking in a good way. I look at this job that these guys do day in and day out that they're showing in the show, and I'm like, I could never in a million years do this. It is no. way too hard. It succeeds in that in that way. Now, one of the characters, we talked about some of the people in it, but one of the characters is actually the dish, which is the Italian beef sandwich. <laughs> so, Ali, what's you been? Your, have you had these before? You lived in Chicago for many years. What, what's your knowledge of this sandwich? Yeah, so actually, this place, Mr. Beef, that that it's based on. There's a, there's a bunch of places that make this sandwich, but Mr. Beef was not far from where I lived, where you came to visit. Mm -hmm. I was in the Gold Coast, and just a couple blocks north of that mm -hmm. is River North. It's called, and we could have walked from my place to Mr. Beef. I didn't fully appreciate what it meant to Chicago. Like there was a thousand things to eat in Chicago, right, if I'm right. being honest. I did have the beef sandwich. I was very familiar with jardinera. Now, I don't know if everybody knows jardinera, but it's basically pickled vegetables, pickled in typically oil, but they are, you know, a little bit tangy. It's like carrots and peppers, onion, this kind of thing, celery, and I love jardinera, and we'll have it in our fridge from time to time. I really should make my own. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I'm a big fan of jardinera, and so it's like beef sandwiches with jardinera on it, and sometimes little other peppers and things, which is great. couple of things. The bread is okay. Problem is, in Quebec, where I grew up, is French bread, and then something that's even better than French bread to me is the baguette that the Vietnamese use for uh, banh yeah, mi. Yeah. And so the Vietnamese, there's a big Vietnamese population in Quebec, a lot of French-speaking Vietnamese. And of course, there's the French influence. So I grew up eating like good quality bread, taking it for granted, obviously. <laughs> no idea how, the, what else was out there. When I eat this beef sandwich, two things. Number one is I yearn for a, a slightly different type of bread what I would call a better quality bread. And I also don't like when they dip it. They dip it in the jus. Oh, no? So it's like half crispy, half soggy. So yeah, I'm look, 
it's still a good sandwich, but I know exactly why it's not something I'm raving about today and talking about all the places that I ate a Chicago beef sandwich. Because mm-hmm. it was like, it was mm-hmm. okay. But it, it's like beef and jardinera, of course, that's going to be a good sandwich. But the history of it is very interesting because it is really born out of discrimination and communities that were not able to buy or afford good quality cuts of meat. Mm-hmm. And they got like the butt ends of, mm-hmm. uh, uh, right. of meat. They would cook it for an extra long period of time to really break it down. That's what they needed to do. And then it would sort of fall apart, this this braised meat, and then that meat was shoved into sandwiches and done so also because you needed to stretch. You need to stretch. People are coming over. You want to entertain them. But if you serve them just meat, right, you run out of right. food very soon. But if you put it a you know, less portion, but in a bun, you get so... Right. Slice it, it was, thin. Yeah, slice it thin, exactly. So it's born out of this like you know, necessity and, and low income conditions and, and discrimination. And now it's like, as so many of these things go on to be like these heralded, right? Like the the way the chicken wing was like the most discarded. You know, right. And then it becomes disregarded yeah. part of the chicken. Now we're paying 20 bucks for a pound of chicken wing somehow. Well, it's interesting because I guess as you're saying this original Mr. Beef close to where he used to live is owned by someone named Joseph Zucchero and Zucchero's son was friends with Chris Storer. So store grew up going to this place seeing how it worked and then obviously was so intrigued by it and and of course his family you know his sister go, becoming a chef and it sounds like cooking is very big in chris store's household they talk about sunday dinners and and what they make like a veal piccata chicken piccata type thing brajol brajol yeah, yeah. So uh, anyway, yeah, this is very interesting in terms of this beef sandwich history. It feels like it was only a matter of time that Christopher Storer would make a show like this, right? It feels like it was maybe delayed because he wanted to get it perfect. Did you know, actually, that's true. He wanted to make this a movie, and he had a movie script, and he would show it to chefs. They're like, no, you're not doing it. It doesn't work. You cannot make a good movie based on the restaurant industry. And so I was going to ask you, you, is this the best representation of the restaurant industry? I mean- of the restaurant industry, yes. Look, Big Night is still one of the greatest yeah. movies. I mean, that's I but that's it. not a that's something else. That's a that's a representation of the insanity of two Italian brothers. You know yeah. what I mean? And and, and it's more of a celebration of food as opposed to the prep of the food. I find. You yeah, know? there are some you know little in, insights, but you would get no idea of what it's like to work in a restaurant mm-hmm. watching Big Night. But it's it's pretty fantastic. I liked Burnt, a more recent. Mm-hmm. Film with Bradley Cooper, with Bradley Cooper, but that's because I love everything Bradley Cooper does. Yeah. I just find it interesting, but also I can't relate. This is like the very high end. Also, mm-hmm. he's going to see his you know friend who's even more high end, totally white, sterile environment. Rest, you know, when he gets kicked out of here, it's more of a story about addiction, right. regret, and it feels like the restaurant provides this backdrop. But as far as a restaurant focused kind of place where you get an idea you're really immersed in what that environment is like it's just fantastic i don't think there's anything like it and like i said i i I think that would work but it's never really worked before and maybe people were just waiting for like the great story and and maybe these people who discouraged him made him be like all right screw you guys i'm going to find a way to make this work and he pulled out all the stops and made Mm -hmm. it so authentic my point is 
who knows this is authentic except for people who's worked in kitchens and and lived that life. You don't really know. So I still don't fully understand what people love about it so much. Yeah. It's, it's so good. And, and it's almost exemplified by this one episode. I think it's episode seven of the first season where there's one, I think 15 to 18 minute single take. Right. And it just keeps following. And I read an interview and we'll, we'll post some of these links, but Christopher Storr, who directed that episode, said when they do a single take, sometimes in TV shows or movies, they will have a fake cut because they'll hand to something that's white. And that's where they do a little cut and or pan to someone's back on their T-shirt and then they'll do a cut there. They said no cuts. It was all one take. And I don't know how many times they had to do it, but it's amazing. And the reason why it works is because that single take, we've seen single takes a million times, right? But if the single take can up the anxiety or tension, the movie Children of Men is a good example. There oh my many, God. Many my takes, God, but there's the so intense and, and the craziness of what's happening. There's a couple of scenes in that that are just so absolutely amazing. And so this reminds me of that, right? The purpose of this is to show just how overwhelming the situation was in episode seven. I won't ruin it for people who haven't seen it, but it becomes very overwhelming, the situation they find themselves in through circumstance. So it's gotten huge. I mean, the reviews for this were crazy for season one, a hundred percent approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. That almost never happens. There's usually some uh, troll who happens to be a film critic who, who uh, does it. So <laughs> American amateur film critic, <laughs> American film Institute, one of the 10 best programs of 2022, the guardian named it number one out of 100 TV shows said it's the best workplace drama since Mad Men. Again, drama, not comedy, mm. as you said. Yeah. What else? Jeremy Allen White won Best Actor in a Comedy Series from the Critics' Choice Awards, the Golden Globe Awards, and the Screen Actors Guild Awards last year. So really, and he is really good in this. It's it's a great role for him, and he's just knocks it out of the park. Yeah. Yeah. Can't say enough good things. If you have not seen it, and we have not ruined it for you too much, I think go make it happen. Season two is coming out June 22nd. People are going to be talking about it. Can't believe this happened. That happened. You know, especially if you're on social media, the way succession got mildly, mildly ruined for a bunch of people, you will have this ruined for you. So I'm always worried about like overstating how good something is, but uh, it's better than Ratatouille. How about that? There we go. Ew, it totally is better than Ratatouille. Ratatouille, I think, is, <laughs> sorry guys, a bit of an of a overrated thing. Now, Rakakuni from Everything Everywhere All at Once. Love that Rakakuni, but again, maybe I'm spoiling that movie for people who haven't seen it. Probably not. I, I do think it's it's better than Ratatouille. Yeah, definitely see it. And it's, you know, just in concluding, talks about a lot of different things and it uses this kitchen as a prism for looking at a bunch of different things. It certainly is about how we as people don't deal with grief properly. And clearly the main character, Carmi, is is channeling his grief into this endeavor and trying to rescue this restaurant and try and put in all these fine dining kind of measures but it's also about toxic masculinity. It's about addiction. A lot of addi- addiction is about gentrification. Grief because and, and suicide and the grief yeah. associated. And with how that, you yeah. deal with that afterwards and, and, and people who've lost their lives to addiction. And, and, you know, as a family member, these guys aren't addicts, but they're going to Al-Anon meetings, right? And so I would say there is one criticism I have of it, Ali. Do tell. And I will tell you this. So there's an interview, which we'll post to from Esquire, where they're interviewing, again, Christopher Storer, and they're talking about Noma, which is the famous Copenhagen restaurant, is an invisible character in the show. And they, and, and they talk about why this is. 
So Noma was rated for many years to be the best restaurant in the uh, in the world. It uh, is a three Michelin star restaurant. It sometimes goes down to like number two or three of the top restaurants that goes back up. I believe it was at the top last time. And Noma is closing in 2024. So there's a big debate, and I am, I've encouraged Ali and Marco on Ali's other podcast, this podcast, Taste Delicious, to speak about this topic, which is perhaps the end of fine dining. Are we at the end of fine dining? Which is an interesting thing to, to discuss, but nevertheless, one of the reasons Noma may be closing, they really can't, I don't think, afford to do what they've been doing. I do have reservations this summer to go with uh, some of my I friends. So yeah. I am going to Copenhagen for a conference. will be attending Noma. I've been there once before. It is quite uh, creative. But my point in this is the main character of the show worked at Noma. And initially they say, I think they've also said he works at the French. He has worked at the French Laundry and he's worked at big New York City things. So the whole reason I bring this up as being slightly unrealistic is not that he worked there, but the fact that someone could work at these super high-end Michelin star restaurants, move back to Chicago, start working in a Italian beef sandwich shop, and there wouldn't be lineups at the door immediately just because he's back there. Because the internet finds a way for everything. And I'll give you an example. When I was in Noma, the... The head chef who was there at the time was a guy named Ben Ng, who was from Ottawa. So I didn't know him, but I certainly know of people who know him. And I, you know, we asked to meet him and just say hi. And so we said hi to him. Super nice guy, friendly. And I know if he came back to Ottawa and opened anything, a burger place, whatever, it would be the talk of the town because this guy is now one of the best chefs in the world. I mean, that's not an example. That is more something that may happen one day. So I thought you were giving me an example of something that actually happened. That no, but, happened but I just know the potential of that. Like, it would be crazy because, again, famous chefs open places all the time. And even if they're like burger places or... Or fried chicken places like David Chang does in New York City, they're automatically famous, even if they're fast food, even if they're casual dining. People go crazy for it. Now, something must have allowed for that in this show, right? 100% Rotten Tomatoes. Is Asif Doja the only person who saw that flaw? Possibly is it that, is that Chicago culture where they're like, oh, you think you're so great? You think you're better than us? You know, maybe there's a bit of that. But yeah, like food nerds like you would have sought him out for sure. But he did also have crazy lineups. He did also have when they got the the ordering to go machine, it was like going bananas. Yeah. So I I would have preferred they addressed it directly. I, I don't know if it would work because then suddenly the struggles of a business are done because now you're super busy or whatever, but I don't think they explain no, but, it well No, but enough. super busy can also tank your business as we see in this show. Yeah, that's right. right that's right. So he, sometimes you're, you cannot meet the demands, right? And that's a big problem for successful businesses. So anyway, yeah, maybe you're right. I don't know. We'll see. It's a minor gripe of mine. Really the only one I have. Maybe they'll address it this season. Who knows? All right, Asif. So we are jumping from the restaurant to a related subject, which is, how do you spell diarrhea? Mm. How do you really spell Actually, it? Actually, no, it is very hard to spell diarrhea. It's like you. an O. Some people have an O in there. Yeah, it's that's insane. like the British spelling, which sometimes we take in Canada, sometimes we don't. Very confusing. Let us talk about, let us, let us talk about Lettuce can sometimes be a a cause of food poisoning. Very dangerous. I have friends who don't eat, who don't eat their greens because they're like, no thanks. No, seriously. And we know that, especially if you're traveling, 
in any country, developing country, for example, resource poor country, you should be very careful if they have uh, about eating leafy greens and fruit that does not have a peel on it. Sure. And mostly that is because of the water used right. to wash exactly, it. Exactly. 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 Yeah. Exactly. yeah. So okay. maybe we'll stick to food poisoning in uh, higher resource countries just to, to, to keep it straight because obviously we know that around the world, food poisoning kills people all the time, right? This is mm. dysentery. This is this is people falling ill. It happens all the time. So let's stick to it in, in high-resource countries, maybe. Can is that do. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> Imagine I protest. How dare you? <laughs> what about my people in Pakistan? No. We will talk about localized, if you will, food poisoning. But I want to know, first and foremost, what constitutes food poisoning? Because right. I would, on the one hand, say I haven't had food poisoning. But that's also because I consider that to be something quite serious. Mm -hmm. But I have many times in my life had a, a case of the old runaroos mm -hmm. after eating something. And, right. you know, also I've had an upset stomach. I've also thrown up. Usually that's connected to jumping up and down. No, drinking <laughs> alcohol. So I've had these reactions that yeah. people might say are food poisoning, but I, we're going back to the uh, Jada Pinkett Smith thing now. Is alopecia a disease? Some people are like, of course it is, but I, I, I don't know. I have a very high bar for what I, I would call poisoning because I know people who have also had their stomach pumped and they were on the verge of death and like right so it's variable right and so you raised so many good points i'll just tell you i have had food poisoning definitely twice it was i'm talking about like vomiting for like 12 hours straight mm. I had once i'll tell you the two stories once i was at a conference in montreal this was when i was a resident so i was there the day before so i'm like well there's some food at the conference it was actually a course a course on headache so i'm like i'll just go get something at subway and what did i order at subway that's right, the seafood and crab. It's almost like it should be in all in quotation marks, right? <laughs> and uh, I was totally sick the next day. Okay, so I was sick about, uh, let's say, 12 to 14 hours afterwards. So I'm going to go through the timelines in, in, a, in a few minutes, and you can see what that could have been. Okay, you guys are going to really think I'm an idiot for this. I was in India, in, in Patna, which is the city that my family's from. And aunts wanted to take me out for dinner. So I said, where should we go? So they said, let's go to McRonald's. I said, oh, McDonald's. So that should be safe. But it was McRonald's, not McDonald's. It was actually a pizza place. Okay. So I said, okay, we'll get everything I normally get on the pizza. Mickey R's. And probably I added something on to the pizza that I shouldn't have which is mushrooms. Okay, the washing thing. Yeah, because as we know, mushrooms are grown in dirt and manure, and then they have to be cleaned, you know, in a certain way. But again, as Ali knows, chefs should use a mushroom brush. You don't really wash it in the same way you do otherwise. And so anyway, it wasn't washed that well because the next you day- You ate poo-poo. Yeah. <laughs> about a day later, I was, I mean, it's unbelievable how sick I was. Anyway, I had to miss a flight and everything. I remember so, being in a scenario in Pakistan- with my dad's best friend, his his son, also named Ali. My dad and his buddy agreed that they would both name their sons oh, Ali. Oh, so how awkward. Yeah. Well, so I meet I, Ali number two, or number one, depends on- uh, We'll uh, say number two. You, we'll say, Especially with this story. <laughs> no, nah, he's, a, he's a doctor. We'll say number one. No, he I meant like one. going to the bathroom number two. Oh, geez. Yeah. So we went- <laughs> Flush that joke down the toilet. So we went to a- uh, like a food stall, and it was a massive griddle. You know what we call a tava? Yeah, yeah. Huge black griddle. 
just like larger than my you know arm span in diameter. And this guy is making what we call kima, which is ground beef seasoned, and putting it in a. I guess it's the Chicago beef of Pakistan. He's making, you know, he's putting it in a little roti, but it's it's kima and it's got yeah. all these yeah, chilies around it. And uh, I remember saying that I it's this is basically street food. I probably shouldn't have this. And Ali Javed was his last name. Ali Javed says to me, "Do you trust me?" And I wanted to say no, but that seemed rude. So he goes, do you trust me? And I said, okay, I do. He goes, you can have this, believe me. So I get the quema on my plate. And I can't remember if it was on roti or rice, but it was on some kind of, maybe on a deep fried puri or something. Mm -hmm. That thing was also like, there was no yeah. concern. And then I go, can I have one of those green chilies? He had adorned this big griddle with a bunch of green chilies around the edge of it. So I go, can I have one of those? And he goes, I'll cut it for you. I said, no, no, I just want, I'll take tiny bites. He goes, no, no, sir, it's my pleasure. He was really very, very nice, kind guy. It was Ali Javed had told him, I'm from Canada, I'm visiting. It's my pleasure. So he pulls the chili in one hand and puts a knife in another hand. And I got to see this man's thumbnails. I mean, just imagine oh, what a right. guy who works on a griddle in the streets of Pakistan for his life, what that guy's fingernails look like. They were so encrusted with dirt and food. And I've never seen, I mean, it was, mm -hmm. it's just not a guy you want cutting something for mm -hmm. you. I see his mm -hmm. fingernails and I go, mm -hmm. oh my God, I'm mm -hmm. getting sick. This is terrible news. I'm getting sick for sure. And no, no sickness no, at all. I was so convinced I would. Another time in Pakistan, I definitely did have a pretty bad upset stomach. And I remember watching my sister. I think we connected in Dubai and we stayed at a hotel. This was like an overnight connection. In the old days, they'd give you a hotel. And I remember my sister at the hotel buffet just going to town and I couldn't eat anything. Mm-hmm. That that would have been food poisoning. Yeah, I don't know. Probably, yeah, exactly. You not eating at a buffet. I mean, I what mean. explanation. <laughs> so okay, let's go through some of this stuff, and I will answer your question in a second about what exactly constitutes food poisoning. So, the FDA in the U.S. estimates there's about forty-eight million cases a year of what we call gastroenteritis caused by food, hundred twenty-eight thousand hospitalizations a year, and three thousand deaths. Okay. Now that 48 million is only is suspected food poisoning because sometimes we can't identify the cause. We can only really diagnose it or we only do diagnosis in 9.4 million people a year in the US because you don't always go in to get tested, right? Like I didn't get tested. I told you both your times. times. You so, yeah, I was saying no. Yeah. I, so unless you go to the hospital, it's very unlikely you're going to be tested. So we may not know. But gastroenteritis is basically inflammation of the lining of the gut. So your stomach and that is the same thing as food poisoning? So you synonymous. can get gastroenteritis for different reasons, but what we're talking about is food poisoning is actually caused, it's not the food itself, it's a virus or bacteria in the food that's causing it, okay? So when it comes to get spoiled, it's because now you've had some contamination with this. And so when the source of the infection is food, that's what food poisoning is, okay? So the things that can cause it are viruses, bacteria, or parasites. Viruses, the ones that cause food poisoning the most are ones you've heard about. Rotavirus, you, I'm sure you've heard about, is a very common cause. Mm -hmm. Or norovirus. Rotavirus are more in kids, the most common cause of viral gastroenteritis in kids, and norovirus in adults. On ships. Right. So how would you get this in food? 
proper handling. Again, we'll talk about this. Ali knows all about this from his time as a chef, but we'll talk about proper handling of food, improper washing of hands. And so Ali's commenting about how on, on ships there could be an outbreak, so cruise ships, of something like norovirus. We've heard about that. Norwalk virus is another similar one. And usually, usually viral gastroenteritis, that's, you know, when people say they have a stomach flu, that's what it basically is. And usually the symptoms are a bit milder. There's no real treatment other than like hydration, which we'll talk about in a second. But then, and this is more common, though obviously if a little baby gets it, they could be very sick with dehydration. Again, if you don't have access to clean water or to rehydration, then you could, could get very sick again. Then we have bacterial gastroenteritis. Okay, so the most common bacteria that cause it, the ones you've heard about before are probably salmonella, E. coli, right? And then some other ones you may have heard of, Campylobacter is one, Shigella, and Clostridium difficile. Those are the most common causes. Uh, what are the other things that cause salmonella? The big one that we've always known about, uncooked chicken. Chicken and, and eggs, exactly. So chicken and eggs are mainly for salmonella. E. coli, and I think you know this already, leafy green vegetables and beef, right, for E. coli. Because yep. again, and, and why will you think about it? So E. coli may be found in the, in the manure of cows. So now you have manure fertilizing leafy green vegetables. It is sometimes harder to wash like a piece of lettuce, you know, it has all the foldings and, you know, it's, it's, sure. it's a leaf. So this is where it comes down to I'll just take my personal preference. You can criticize me as being a, a, not a true foodie. So beef, if you just have a steak and you cook the outside of the steak, there's not going to be E. coli inside the steak like that, right? Because it couldn't have gotten contaminated with waste substances. So it's surface. It's surface. So, it's surface. so the real concern is ground beef, right? Because you're grinding up the beef in a processing plant if it's not if it's not cleaned properly, that's when you could get these contaminants. So I get more concerned about ground beef. So I would never order a burger, for example, anything less than well done. I think it's craziness. And then I go to places where they, no, 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 sir, you don't understand. We grind our beef in-house, so there's there's no risk of contamination. Like, I don't know how clean your kitchen is back there, sir or madam. Well, that's I really nice of you know. to refer to them yeah. in those terms of respect. I don't so know angry. about that. So I don't know. I, I'm not, I, I don't feel that comfortable about that. Well, my thing is that, you know, I look around. How long has this place been in business? Is this what they always do? Does anybody look like they have diarrhea in their pants here in the restaurant? No, then I, I take it. Oh, check. perfect, perfect. Okay, let's get to that oh, one oh, second. Oh, what did answer, I say? What did answer I say? the what questions about foods. The other one's unpasteurized milk. And most people are saying, oh, what? where do you get unpasteurized milk? That's because you people have never lived in Quebec or bordered on Quebec, where it's not uncommon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a huge fight between one particular farmer and, and the government was going on for quite some time. Let the people have their unpasteurized Let milk. them get supremely sick. And then untreated water, which is a big thing. So untreated water, it depends where you live. So something like Giardia is a common bacteria. So we get that from swimming in lakes often if you ingest lake water. That's a parasite, actually. So you'd have to be treated specifically for that. And of course, when you think of something like in India, I won't say who, but one of my family members who was born in India and moved to Canada, when they went back to India once, they were like, oh, I can drink the water. My stomach's used to this. They weren't because you can get 
uh, amoeba in there, right? And and the amoeba is is what's called a protozoan, but that's a parasite as well that can make you extremely sick. If I had to guess what I had when I got sick, I'd say it could have been that. Maybe not, but it, it could have been a, a protozoan infection. Do you wait for that to pass, or no? You you need often need treatment antibiotics. So I, I did, and so again, sometimes you don't know, so you just would start on antibiotics, especially if you suspect a bacteria or a parasite. Depends where you are in the world, what your symptoms are. But you were asking about the time course. You're like, well, if I don't see anybody getting sick, then I might be okay. But let's talk about some of these different bacteria I talked about and when the time before symptoms start. So one of them, which I didn't mention on the list is Bacillus cereus. Okay. So be serious. And on a, I think I may have mentioned this on the podcast or to Ali before, but when I was studying for one of the U.S. licensing exams, which some people in Canada decide to write, I was reading a prep book and they're like, be serious can be caused by spoiled rice that you leave in your fridge too long. And then you said you can't be serious. That's right. That's the mnemonic. Food poisoning from rice, you can't be serious. That's how you remember it. So anyway, but that is 10 to 16 hours after ingestion. Okay, so that's going to happen relatively quickly when you get B-series. You can get it from other things as well, but rice is the one we think about the most. Then there's Campylobacter. That's from uncooked poultry, unpasteurized milk, contaminated water. That's two to five days afterwards. Okay, so you probably I mean, look, I'm being about facetious that, that I'm saying that, you know, they're not there. Oh, forgotten is an interesting thing. My whole thing would be they would come back and say, like, by the way, you know, not come back, but call the restaurant and be like, by the way, I got sick from your food, that kind right. of thing. And then this restaurant would make some adjustments. But 24 hours if later. Yeah. E. coli is one to three days. Again, you're going to start to forget it. Rotavirus is two days. Norovirus is a bit quicker, 12 to 48 hours. So that one, you could probably make a pretty good correlation. And Giardia, that's the parasite I said that you can get in uh, swimming in lakes is often where you get it, one to two weeks afterwards. So you're probably not considering it's related to you swimming in that lake no. in someone's cottage. And how do you determine if a lake could do that to you? There's no way. Yeah, you just have to, your doctor, when you see them, if you have it, because some of these things can last weeks. So Giardia especially, you can have symptoms for one to three weeks. So you don't even think it's food poisoning, right? Like you wouldn't say it's, it is, it's water poisoning essentially, but you wouldn't think that, oh, that this is from that. What do you, like I was asking you if you um, can wait it out sometimes, Mm -hmm. I guess for some milder cases you can, but otherwise what is the treatment generally when it's particularly aggressive. Yeah, I, I think sometimes you could just wait it out. You want to make sure you're drinking plenty of liquids. It's good to have like an oral rehydration solution. So now in a lot of places we use Gatorade, Powerade, whatever, right? But in, in a lot of countries, developing countries, you have to use these oral rehydration salts and you just dissolve those in clean water. Don't dissolve them in, in <laughs> unclean water. I and I sick. tried that when I was in India when I got so sick and because I think, oh, it just tastes like Gatorade, but there's no sugar in these. They're just the, the the salts, right? So they're very salty. It's like drinking a huge glass of salt water. And then, of course, I promptly threw that up. A couple tricks, though. So you have to drink liquids. You want to drink liquids slowly because you can induce vomiting. So, you know, a, a few sips at a time, not like chugging down a big drink. And if you can't control yourself, then just chewing on ice. Little kids, we give them popsicles. And sometimes they even have what we call Pedialyte popsicles, which is an oral rehydration solution in a popsicle. So the popsicle makes it you slow down your drinking and then you can slowly get it because you don't want to start a a vicious cycle and then you can just take it easy, you know, try and keep up your hydration 
stay close to a bathroom. And then in terms of what they should eat, you want to avoid fatty foods, dairy products, caffeine, alcohol, spicy foods. And you want to keep a bland diet for a couple of days. But we, everybody talks about the brat diet. We do that with our kids. You know what I'm talking about? Bananas, I do know rice, it. Tell me, apple remind so- me. Of bananas, bananas, rice, rice. applesauce, toast. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you mean my younger daughter's dream diet all <laughs> yes, the time? Exactly. Yeah. You know, by the way, speaking of those oral rehydration solutions, you know, since 2007, those solutions in developing countries have prevented more than 50 million deaths. And oh, wow. it reduced actually the mortality from diarrhea in children under age five by about two thirds. So it's something we don't even think about. Like I said, we just use, you know, drink Gatorade after you've been exercising, but it really is an important um, life saving measure around the world where this type of gastroenteritis can be much more serious. Yeah. So you should, you can't, it depends on the situation. Sometimes you can use like uh, Imodium, which is loperamide, you can use things to prevent vomiting. To gravel, you can get prescriptions for something like Ondansetron. There's other ones that you can get. So if you're having uncontrolled vomiting or diarrhea, you may have to go see your doctor to get a prescription for these. In general, you want to get everything out in general, right? So you actually want to be vomiting and you want to have diarrhea to get all the pathogen out of your system. There are some times where you may need to take medication, uh, again, just, just to help with your hydration because you can't keep anything down. And then sometimes you need antibiotics, but that's really if you um, have severe symptoms. So basically you should see your doctor if you have severe diarrhea more than three days, frequent vomiting lasting more than two days, blood in your stool, fever over, let's say, 101 degrees Fahrenheit. And obviously if it's severe going on very intensely or vomiting blood, you need to go to the emergency room. And these recommendations are the younger the patient. So if it's a little infant, you know, you really need to get them checked out because they can dehydrate so quickly. It can be extremely dangerous. So let's just say those recommendations are for adults and you got, need to be more cautious in, in children. Okay. It's a real shame that our discussion about Italian Chicago beef sandwiches and extreme vomiting were so close together. There is no link. There is no link. No, but let's, why don't we talk about what you can do to prevent it in a kitchen, Right. So they say there's four things you should do in the kitchen. And we mean your regular kitchen too, not just an industrial, you know, professional kitchen. So cook, ensure adequate heating time. It, I don't know if, well, this is a little uh, hint. I got Ali a gift for his uh, birthday recently. So I use a meat thermometer when I'm cooking any meat because you think something's cooked and then you put a meat thermometer in like, oh, I need to increase the heat by 20 degrees internally. Have I given you diarrhea? Is that what you're saying? No, exactly. That's why. Is that the equivalent of giving me deodorant and being like, no reason. Listen, one thing I want to say, do you ever eat steak tartare? Do you ever have raw eggs? Where where do you draw the line? Yeah, so so interesting. I just ate, uh, I ate elk tartare in Edmonton last week. So I do, I don't, love to eat it but i will i will eat it and you know sushi is a whole other kettle of fish yeah mm-hmm. Hello? Hello? you know though those are slightly different though you there is a risk obviously of food poisoning for those things i know it's tough right it's steak tartare sometimes they put a raw egg in it right i'm like oh my gosh what are we what are we doing yeah. here <laughs> just yeah. trying to kill people can like we, left right and center can i just have a piece of raw chicken yeah. to mop this all up yeah with? so let's just say in your regular life I would highly recommend a meat thermometer for people. Notice Ali didn't answer the question about whether he uses it or not. Oh, yeah, I used it once. 
I use it once less, less. Well, otherwise it's stuff you just know, like yourself, you know, I'm making those, I'm not trusting any meat from any random uh, grocery store. So if I'm making burgers, they're going to be well done. So for that, I don't, I go by color, I go by texture. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, but if you're, if you're cooking something, a chicken is, is the classic thing. You're barbecuing a chicken. You think it's done. You cut it open. It's raw on the inside, right? So you need to make sure that things are cooked. And if you could find online the degrees that you have to cook meat to, to certain levels to ensure there's no bacteria. Separate. So cooking, separating. So avoid cross-contamination, especially for raw meat. So don't let that touch anything else. This is the problem that you get into. And that's why I said I can't trust other places necessarily that they don't cross-contaminate their raw meat. Chill, obviously chilling. And then making sure that you know, and, and there it's, it's online. There's many websites, you know. there's I think there's a website, how long is it good for, right? How long can something stay chilled in your refrigerator before it has to be thrown out, right? And it's more than just best before days. We're talking about stuff you've you cooked and now putting it in the refrigerator and then clean. So keep utensils, your workspaces, kitchen clean, especially after you've handled raw meat and eggs. I'm sure Ali like cleans his kitchen thoroughly after these things, but not everybody does. And I, I hope they do this in kitchens, maybe not the place with the dropped kebab, but... Uh... <laughs> we did what we had to do. But a great a- acronym there. K-k-k-k. Yes, exactly. Cook, separate, chill, and clean. I will say, like, uh, often a culprit is uh, cutting boards and people... Yeah. I, I've seen what people do with cutting boards and I'm like, that makes me deeply uncomfortable. You, you need hot, soapy water pick off pieces of meat off that sponge afterwards too, you know? You yeah, be just and I prefer sponge. to use separate cutting boards for meat and everything sure. else. Sure, I sure, think sure. that's that's another way to do it. Our Trinidadian friends have also added that uh, on top of the hot soapy water, they also take a half a lime and scrub down a board with, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly, with the exactly. fresh lime, which is a great disinfectant as well. Extra touch. That's our episode for today. Let us know what you guys thought about it. Very curious to get your thoughts on the bear. Do you guys like it as much as Ali and I did? Are you guys big foodies? Are you interested in me going to Copenhagen? Can I bring you? I cannot. We are also interested in your stories about excessive vomiting and other things. Uh, feel free to share. It's an anonymous private forum, you know, email. Uh, if you want us to share stories about that, we That's will. right. Exactly. DrVComedian at gmail.com. DrVComedian on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We are everywhere. Definitely write into us. Let us know if you have a correction on something I've mispronounced, like our other listener did. Please let me know. I will we'll, uh, <laughs> get a running total of these. And I don't know. I'll publicly apologize at some point for doing this. <laughs> Remember to rate and review our podcast. And if you can, just tell one friend about it. We'd really appreciate it, especially if they're into podcasts. So basically, next time you're at a cocktail party, say, hey, do you like podcasts? Do I have something to tell you about, right? That seems like a very natural way of introducing the subject. Supernatural. Bear Season 2, by the way, comes out June 22nd. In July, I'll be in Deer Lake, Woody Point specifically, the first week of July, the first weekend, and then Moose Jaw as well, where Al Capone yes. had uh, tunnels. I think where he you should from. bring a microphone and go into the tunnels and tell us what's going on from there, like a mm-hmm. remote podcast. Chance of I him doing that? 
Yeah. I see some guy dressed like Capone down there. I didn't, you didn't see nothing. You didn't see nothing. Kid, you understand? You keep it moving. Uh, maybe you could interview the ghost of Al Capone. Though, of course, he didn't die there. So why would his ghost be there? I don't know. Many questions. But remember that although I'm a doctor, I'm not your doctor. Medical issues we talk about are for your interest and information only. And they're not medical advice. Please consult your medical professionals for actual medical advice, especially if you currently have food poisoning. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you.